Levac and Goss here on this Friday edition. Montel Jordan bringing us in. No better way to do it on a Friday in the summer. The weather's beautiful in the capital region. We got to lead off the show a little bit different today because we might have some people listening to today's show that usually don't listen to Levac and Goss. And they could be some young students, some young aspiring sports broadcasters. You listening right now may have never heard of a sports broadcast before because you could be a student or a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin from the great students over at Woodlawn Elementary School in Schenectady. Thank you for having me this morning. I told everybody over at Woodlawn Elementary School I'd give you guys a shout-out to lead off the show today at 3 o'clock. So there's your shout-out. We appreciate everybody that paid attention, listened to their teachers, do their homework, and if you want to do this one day in the future, you can be as well a sports broadcaster. Thank you for everybody over there. There's so much fun. I have to share some of my favorite questions today, though, because maybe you are a you Albany student or a Siena College student or maybe a young aspiring sports broadcaster, radio host, television personality who does want to do this for a living. Here are some of the questions I got from some of the students today. Do I know LeBron James? No, I do not know LeBron James, but we will talk about LeBron James in the game last night in a few minutes. Do I know Zion Williamson? I do not know Zion. Who is my favorite Brazilian soccer player? You stumped me for a second there. I was not prepared. I did not have my Brazilian soccer player scouting reports going. Will there ever be sports played on the moon? I said yes. Maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe one day in the future, sports will be played on the moon. Can we broadcast sports that are played on the moon? Again, a very interesting question that was asked by a Woodlawn Elementary student today. Yes to that question. And also, if you were to make a cake on the moon, what do you think would happen to the cake after it was baked on the moon? I don't know. Still, I've thought about that question now for five hours. Also, how tall are you? Six foot two. How far would a ball go if I kicked it? Okay, you got the idea. Very inspiring. I think it's the term I'll use here. Me to continue to do this. Thank you for all the kids over at Woodlawn Elementary School. Hopefully, this is not your final time listening to the show. And hopefully today you'll learn something about what you can do for a living as a sports broadcaster, as a radio host, sports entertainer, all that. All right, let's talk about the most popular athlete today. Maybe just not at the elementary school, but across the world. And that is LeBron James. LeBron James and the Lakers last night fall to the Denver Nuggets in game two of the Western Conference Finals. Now LeBron and company have to win four, still had to. But Denver's in a position now to potentially sweep the Lakers as the series shifts back to the West Coast for game three with the Lakers down two games. LeBron had his opportunities less than four minutes to go. The Lakers keeping it tight again with Denver. But it's LeBron, miss after miss after miss, going 0 for 3 in the fourth quarter from beyond the arc. 0 for 6 overall from three-point land in game two. And as Dave McMenamin pointed out, since this playoff has started, this postseason, somewhere Skip Bayless, kids, don't become the next Skip Bayless. Somewhere Skip Bayless is banging on his keyboard, screaming, I told you he was a bum, as LeBron James has gone now 19 consecutive three-pointers missed in the fourth quarter this postseason. 
As a LeBron James fan, I can't defend that. Look, Nikola Jokic has become the best player on the floor, and it's rare it's ever been said about a matchup with LeBron James competing in the sport of basketball. Rarely have we ever said over the last 20 years that the best basketball player on the court is not named LeBron James. But after LeBron's performance or lack thereof from beyond the arc, never been the strength of this game. We're not going to confuse LeBron for Steph Curry. But the Lakers and what happened last night makes me still feel like this whole thing could be over. And I'm talking about the last run for LeBron. And MJ fans are smiling. The Jordan fans go, listen to that. I'm a Michael Jordan guy. MJ versus LeBron. Some kid wanted to argue John Morant today. John Morant's got some other issues, and he's really talented. But the MJ versus LeBron stuff, the MJ stands are smiling today because Gaz accidentally slipped and called it the last run. The last dance is MJ. But that same executive producer and director is allegedly filming the season for the Lakers for maybe LeBron's own 30 for 30 or whatever in the world it's going to be called years from now. But, but I bring that up because this could be it. If LeBron and the Lakers go down to the Nuggets, which I believe they will, still in five games, what's the next season look like? What does next season look like for the Lakers and LeBron? Because if you haven't been following this, his son, Bronny James, LeBron James Jr., has decided he's not going to go to the G League. He's not going to go from high school straight to the NBA. Now it seems as if Bronny James is going to play in college basketball for USC. Now, before I said, seems like, might, this seems like one of these situations, especially in the world of college basketball, I won't believe it till I see him put on the Trojan uniform. And the rumor has always been that Bronny James and LeBron are one day going to pull a Ken Griffey Sr. and a Ken Griffey Jr. and play, play on the same team together. That could happen, maybe in the future, a la Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr., but we'll have to wait and see if that actually happens. LeBron James, his future, is this the last run for him to win a championship? Is he going to join Bronny? All of those things are going to be figured out over the next few months, but there's still some games left to be played for the Lakers in this upcoming NBA playoff. We swing it over from one playoff team to another team, and Brady Farkas is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Brady and I had this conversation earlier this week about the Heat's head coach, Eric Spolstra. And how he is the best head coach left in the NBA playoffs. I think it's a pretty obvious statement. There's not many that can really compare to Spolster, especially with some new ones on the sidelines. Spolster with multiple championships. He was the one who helped LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh win those championships in Miami. And we talked about where Eric Spolster's impact could be in this series. And I feel as if now on this Friday, I've underestimated Eric Spolstra. Yeah, he might be the best coach in the NBA right now. If we did an overall video game ranking-wise and we gave him a rating, wouldn't he be the best coach? Multiple championships. Helped the Heat get to the finals in 2020. Has this eight-seeded team that played in the play-in game that didn't even exist a few years ago, just three wins away from going back to the NBA finals. One of the true underdogs in NBA playoff history, and he deserves a ton of credit with Tyler Hero not playing. But why underestimated Eric Spolster? And think about this throughout the afternoon and evening today. Is Eric Spolster one of the best NBA coaches ever? Like, period. Think about where he ranks all of a sudden now. Whether they do get to the NBA finals or not, we have to start talking about Eric Spolstra, the guy who was cut in film, the guy who grinded from 
what, basically he was the kit man? He was the Nathan Shelley? There's a Ted Lasso reference. Jake Aspen will enjoy that. He worked his way up all the way to the top, and we rarely see this in the professional game now in any sport. It's usually the ex-jock who gets the gig or somebody who's got the better agent gets the gig. Spolster worked his way to the top. And if you talk about the great NBA coaches of all time, just off the top of your head, I think the first four, we don't have to rank them, but in no particular order, the four that jump out to me, Phil Jackson, Red Arback, Pat Riley. Those three out of the gates, I think slam dunk, all of a sudden, those are the top three coaches. Red Arback, Pat Riley, and Phil Jackson. Those three, I think, are hard to argue against. I don't know if I'm ready to put Spolster at four. I was all gung-ho about the four that were going to be easy. And Popovich is probably the fourth. I paused there for a second because I'm like, wait a second. How much time does Pop have left? Is Pop going to be retired? Pop would have been the fourth. So Popovich, Riley, Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson. Four easy. No particular order. Where's Spolstra? Is Larry Brown up there? Spolstra's got a better winning percentage and more NBA titles. Is Casey Jones up there? Spolstra's coach longer? Is... Jack Ramsey, Lenny Wilkins, all of a sudden it starts to get a lot harder than we realize. Jerry Sloan, yeah, those four, again, Jackson, Riley, Auerbeck, and Popovich, we could start wondering why Spolstra isn't fifth. So all of a sudden, doesn't the narrative change of this series? That's been one of our words of the day the last two shows. You might have a top five coach, arguably in the history of the NBA on one sideline, And then on the other sideline, you've got a guy who barely has this job. Everything that happened with Udoku and the Celtics, we still don't know exactly how in the world he lost his job. In the world that we live in now, that a big scandal involving one of the true traditional powers in sports, we have no idea of the male or female or cheat the scandal that involved there. We don't know how he got fired. The previous coach, Brad Stevens, decided to just move into executive role. So you've got a guy who's inexperienced versus one of the top five NBA coaches of all time. That's why we could be seeing an upset here soon. So we've got the Heat and the Celtics coming up tonight. 8.30 tip off for that one. We've got LeBron James to see if he can come back and make this happen. The PGA Championship continues to roll on. We've got some bad weather on the way, though. I'm so excited to get to Rochester. I'm going to see a major championship on Sunday. If you're going to be going out to Rochester, please, let's bump into each other. Leave me a message. I want to yell Levac and Goss and some swings and after some big shots to see if we can pop on and get a little viral love for Fox 95, 9 and 980. The weather's affecting this, and we may not have an opportunity to talk a lot of golf today, but I'll give you a few minutes on what's been hurting Oak Hill a little bit early on. Don't you want to see, like, the seven, the eight, the nine unders? Don't you like golf more when the guys are just hitting unbelievable shots and they can't miss and they are just destroying a course? That seems more fun to me. Now, I'm the guy who also enjoys the meltdown. I feel like that's two different discussions. If someone's got a three-stroke lead with nine to play on a Sunday, it's more riveting television. It's more riveting entertainment to potentially make it closer. A missed shot, a shot that we would miss. They missed. That's entertaining. But I'm talking about, like, I don't want to see plus three, even, plus one. I want to see the best dominate. When I see a winner that could potentially, this could potentially happen, by the way, 
at like plus three, I feel like more and more luck plays a factor at that point. Oh, he got a bad wind breeze on one hole. He had to hurry up and finish his round. He had to play at a different tee off time. I feel like I don't get the real picture if we get a tough course plus weather playing a factor. But even with all that being said, Bryson DeChambeau is still up near the top at four under. Scotty Scheffler's tied right now at the top at five under with Corey Connors as well up there. So we still can see some big time names competing for a top prize in golf. But I hope that we do get the best play out of the best players. We don't want weather and everything else to affect that. So if you're going to be following the PGA Championship upcoming, that's the big thing to keep your eye on. Hope that the weather doesn't derail scores and excitement and everything this upcoming Saturday. We got the PGA. So how about that? PGA Championship this weekend. We've got playoff games in the NBA. We still got hockey going on, although hockey's been banned now by multiple hosts. I see you, hockey fan. I see you, Dallas Star and Vegas Golden Knight fan. And the Florida Panthers are an eighth seed. They're making a run here in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're already up one nothing. They got a game Saturday. So many great things going on here in a weekend in May. Now, I've laid all that out. But we do have one local story we got to get to. We're rapid fire round and round. Hopefully the Woodlawn Elementary students are enjoying this because we're covering a bunch of different things today. Antonio Brown is in the news. There's a story now that's been tagged multiple times on our social media outlets that Antonio Brown did not pay for a bill at, you know, we'll say the restaurant in Latham, the Taste of Italy, because this has got viral clicks now locally that Antonio Brown did not pay along with, we'll call them associates of Antonio Brown. Now, since 11 o'clock this morning, apologies and offers have been supported to the business owner. Things have been changed. He regrets the situation, pledges to never do that again. Boy, things heated up fast. And our guy, Levac is going to join us in about six minutes here. We, Albany residents, Capital Region sports fans, the voice of the Capital Region sports fan right here, 95.9 to 980, anything involving Antonio Brown, everybody's on high alert. I can't believe how fast that thing moved. From he didn't pay a bill to news cameras running over to the Taste of Italy that Antonio Brown's trying to scam somebody else to, us getting tagged constantly on social media and people sharing the story with us. So that blew up really fast. Did it have to blow up that fast? I'm like, boy. I mean, anytime the word Antonio Brown said now in the capital region, it seems like we're all reacting and having a visceral reaction to it. I'm surprised. Should people have spoke up when they got scammed? Of course. And if maybe the algorithm on Twitter and Facebook, they knew what people were searching for, maybe that's why it popped up so quick. But he feels like anything this guy does is being criticized. And you know what? Most of it should be. This is another example. We'll get to all that coming up. You know, Let's get LeVac on the phone. We're going to talk to him. Our guy, LeVac, is going to give us his take on Antonio Brown's situation today and follow for the Yankees. LeVac here for USX Pest Control, the non-chemical exclusion system is amazing. I had Tim from USX come out to the house. He walked around. He showed me where the potential problem spots would be and what we would need to do to make sure that I didn't have to worry about invasive, you know, little rodents and nastiness. We went around the attic. I learned about bats, where they come from, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, mice in the basement, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, all these things. And then, get this, I find out one of the houses across the street has a termite problem. 
Called Tim over at USX Pest Control. Let him know. He said, here's why you're safe. A lot of concrete between you and that. However, we're going to go ahead and take a look and make sure it's okay. It is amazing how, how just better I feel, how much safer, how much just more relaxed I am with my house because of USX Pest Control, part of the Gagne family of brands. You may remember Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USXPest.com. I told him he was going to be off for the rest of the week. Here I am, a liar on a Friday. Second <laughs> segment, Friday show. I told him to be off, but the sports world is not slowing down. He continues the content creation across the coast. Man, that sounds good. Levac joins us. Levac, are you sick and tired of me calling you when you're in Florida? Yeah, well, I'm at least this time I'm in the airport. So I'm, like, leaving Florida while you're calling me. <laughs> so it's not as bad. Like, yesterday I was, like, dodging the Millennium Falcon. Small kids were hitting my shins with lightsabers I was in the way. So, like, this is fine. This is okay. I've already had my cavity search. I'm ready to go. What's become more annoying at this point? Me calling you when you're in Florida trying to enjoy your time or people blowing up your phone asking about Antonio Brown. What has your phone been like the last 72 hours? Uh, most people have realized that I'm here and have left me alone. You are not on that list. Um, <laughs> but, but it's like he's, he's, he's nonstop. It's like it's the calm before the storm. Went a little while. We didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden he's suiting up. He's calling some former NFL buddies. He's sipping restaurants, but then he's paying restaurants. It's, it's, it's really the soap opera that you'd never really wanted to live or see. I'm conflicted by the restaurant stuff because you and I have friends. We have partners. We have people we've worked with over the years at restaurants. So we have a huge respect for the restaurant industry. I guess I'm a little confused. Like, did the news cameras have to be there that fast? Like, Antonio Brown didn't pay a bill, so we ran and covered it that and he already paid it allegedly now. Like it's already taken. I feel like at this point, anytime the words Antonio Brown are uttered in Albany, we're we're running everybody, and we're we're victims of it too. Like we do this for a living. But I feel like at this point, maybe we should have just and I waited another day. And you got tagged on Twitter about it. Well, no, because I think one of the reasons it got paid so fast is that they did that. You know, that, that's that's what helps. But listen, you 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 are what you are. You portrayed yourself as this. You know, millionaire playboys who go out and do whatever you want, but then at the same time, you're not paying for your jewelry, you're not paying for your football team, you're not paying your players, you're not paying for your food. People are going to notice. Like, if that happened, if you or I went a couple days not paying a bill a couple days over, we're going to get the benefit of the doubt because we pay our bills. You know what I mean? Our, our business is booming. So, you know, when you don't ever do it, you get, that's what you get. You don't get the leeway that normal people get. Just, just like when you were a kid at school. If you don't do your homework every day, you go to detention. You, you miss it one day, you get the finger shook in your face, and they move on. Yes, I'm glad the bills were taken care of. I'm glad they were paid. I love what you said there. Because... that Ryan guy, apparently. What a scumbag. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. If you're listening now, I'm quite sure if you are or not. Happy Friday to you. Enjoy the wonderful weather. Uh, hey, I mean, yeah. Antonio said it was him from what I heard, so he's the guy who didn't pay. Have you had an opportunity to hear or watch in your phone, maybe as you waited in line to get on a various amount of Disney rides, the stories involving Aaron Judge looking at the Blue Jay dugout or Domingo Herman getting thrown out of games for sticky stuff in your hand? Had you have any Yankee takes from the past week involving those two stories in particular? How about the Yankees being on like, like a super hot streak? And I'm down here where I couldn't watch the games. I had to listen to them on my apps. So I like didn't see the things right away. I had to go watch them on SportsCenter. The Aaron Judge one is hysterical to me because I'm almost positive that he's telling the truth. Like, he, he looks like we've all got that side eye from our parents when you shut up, when you don't shut up when you're supposed to. I believe he gave them the side eye, like, shut up, I'm dialed in, let's go. 
or worst case scenario, the first or, or third base coach went, oh, when this dude's hand is here, he's throwing this. But I don't believe there was any, like, you know, monumental cheating on that. And the dude's got six home runs in the last six games. I think he's just dialed in right now. Domingo Herman, did you not see anything of Michael Pineda? You didn't really learn anything from Michael Pintar? Like, what are you doing here, buddy? But, you know, this is the world we live in now. They catch everything, and if you're going to be stupid, you're going to pay for it. So Domingo Herman, who looked like he was finally starting to get everything together, is is now in the, the Max Scherzer boat. This is how I know you and I have worked together and been friends for a long time because you went right to Pineda like I did earlier in the week. The Pineda thing, the Pineda thing always makes me laugh because they throw Pineda out years ago and he's looking around like me as it's all like right. slipping down his neck and he's trying. Looks like he's got a twin growing off his neck. The amount of pine time that's on there, yeah. But no, I don't know what you're talking about. What? It's the kid eating the cake and it's all over his face. The thing that bothered me about Herman in comparison to Pineda is that you knew. Everybody, right. from the empires to the broadcast crew to John Boy Media, anybody watching that game was going to have an extra eye on what was going on on the field because of the judge stuff from the day before. And to think you would be able to get away with it. I, I asked for a 15-game suspension, 10 for regular, and 5 for stupidity. There should be a new <laughs> stupidity clause in sports that if you're that dumb, you should get games because you're being stupid. Well, and that, you know, you just saw this happen to Max Scherzer. Like, this almost almost identical. Scherzer's got a lot more gravitas in the league than you do. If they're going to get Scherzer, they're going to get you. So, yeah, just stupid. But, you know, I, I'm glad it's only 10 because we need him. So. <laughs> LeVac Goss here on Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980. LeVac is remote right now, and I feel like I like saying that because it's been a wonderful week. You'll be back in studio next week. Who knows what the wildness Wait, will you be? You liked what? it better while I wasn't there? No, That's I didn't nice. say that. I, I didn't oh, say it. So it was a wonderful week without me. Thanks. That's not what Thanks, I said. Gaz and Levac, everyone. Here we go. I said it was a wonderful week with you creating content. I'm going to go back and listen to that. I'm going to edit that if that did sound the way I want. <laughs> Uh, the PGA Championship is this Sunday. I'm not going to have you break down the PGA Championship field, but I feel like this would have been an event you and I should have attended together because my goal, as I'm going to be there Sunday, is to take over the event. Levac, I'm going to act like a fool Sunday and eat garbage plates and scream out Levac and Gaz and back swings of golfer swings. <laughs> I love it. Well, I do. I, I can tell you, there's only one golf tournament that like I'm not going to play in that I want to be at, and that's that's the Phoenix you know, Open, but... But this is, uh, you know, it's nice to have it up here. I'm glad you're going and doing the responsible thing for us. I fully intend to be on my couch for at least two days. I have walked, um, I'm averaging 20,000 steps a day while at Disney, and that's just, I'm not built for that life. So I'm going to go sleep. I'm sitting next to a bird in the airport right now. There's an actual bird in the airport. Okay, I have one other, yep. I have one more sports question, then I will let you go and fight off the bird. We have Michael Tricarico joining us, the broadcaster at the AAA level. For the New York Mets, he's going to talk about some of the recent call-ups that have happened for the Mets to potentially change their fortunes this season. You as a Yankee fan and following the Yankee team, the Mets likely taking a page out of past Yankee playbooks and calling up prospects. Could this be the spark, that and the Alonzo comeback win against the Rays, that completely changes the fortunes for the Mets in 2023? It is nice to see the Mets be the team that's calling, are calling up people and they're actually panning out. That feels like such a brave thing to do. But, I mean, really, it's all about Robinson Cano in my world. That young man deserves a chance, and I'm glad to see him finally get it. And uh, what's the stop? If you're, if you're Cano, you cheat, right? Like, you just go full in. Like, what are they going to do, take away Christmas? Like, I'm, I'm going to cheat my, my derriere off if I'm Robinson Cano. Like, I might walk out with a syringe hanging on my back pocket. Like, I'm going full in. 
Cano has gone full WWF wrestler. He's got the brass knucks. He's going for low blows. He just, right. I'll get DQ'd. That's fine. I'll be back next week for another match. Right. Well, I mean, what difference? Is he, you, he's, no matter what he does, he's a cheater. So just cheat. I would just cheat all the way. Make sure you get the most money out of everybody possible. Throw up some numbers. Get the Mexican 10, 15-game win streak before they catch you. And then you're good. Enjoy the rest of your break. I also have breaking news for you. Either you or I, you or I, we haven't decided yet, maybe you, the next two Mondays will be joining WGY Mornings on Monday, talking sports. Ooh. So we're going to do a little guest hit. We're going to do the Memorial Day hit, I believe, together on Memorial Day morning. And then I'm very I, busy that day. Now, here's what I did not tell you. It's going to be at 6.30 in the morning. So you and I, one of us, will be at 6.30 in the morning via phone more than likely on WGY. Will you record show it so I can hear it later? Or what are you? how are you going to do it? Uh, I was hoping you were going to be up for your flight or something. Or like now I'm thinking, like, oh shoot, his flight was today, so he's not flying oh, yeah. back. So that sounds like I might be doing the hit on Monday. Ugly kids, not stupid ones. I'm not going to fly in and then go on the air the next day. I'm flying, chill out, relax, and be on my and then and then be on the show whenever I have to be on. If I have to be up at six thirty, I mean, I might just have like a taped answer. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll program the AI on my phone <laughs> to do the interview for me. Do you have any prediction? All right, I said I was going to let you know twice. I like, lied twice in a row. I lied from the start of this interview. Nug- Nuggets, Lakers, Celtics, Heat. Give me a prediction for the NBA Finals, and then you can leave. Oh, man, I, I love the way the Heat are playing right now, and I hate the Celtics as a, as a person who likes, you know, New York teams and hates, hates Boston. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go, I, you know, Hemi, Hemi Butler. He's doing the Jimmy thing. I think he, they get it done, and then – why not the Nuggets? Why not be time for the Nuggets? I, something about I, I love the way the Lakers are playing, but I just think that when you look at the way the Nuggets just they kind of rally together, it just it feels a little more cohesive to me. So I'll go I'll go Heat Nuggets. Send him messages on Twitter at the Jeff Levac. Back in studio on Monday. Enjoy your trip, my friend. Enjoy the, all the sports weekend action with baseball and basketball and golf, and keep an ear and an eye out for the Levac and Gaz yells on Sunday from Rochester. Listen, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Good, good job out there. Good. Don't end up in handcuffs. All right, goodbye. There you go. Then we got that 6:30 hit. All right, goodbye. <laughs> there, he, there he goes. Our guy Levac right there. Happy to have him making some content. You know what? I just heard that clip. You know, can we run this back? Because we talked to Levac a little bit earlier today because his flight was going to take off. Let me run this clip back. Maybe it did not sound like a help. Let's run this back. Me saying a wonderful week. All right, let's listen to this together. Levac is remote right now, and I feel like. I like saying that because it's been a wonderful week. You will be back in studio next week. Who knows what the wildness Wait, will you be? You liked what? it better while I wasn't there. No, That's I didn't nice. say that. I, I didn't oh, say. It was, so, it was a wonderful week without me. Thanks. All right, L- listening back to that clip. That's not what I meant. Clearly, is I said that. That is not what I meant. In my mindset, if you follow the Levac and Goss show, when one of us was off, we were off. We were not on the show. Maybe unless it was an absolute emergency, we would come on the show. But this is riveting, game-changing, incredible content we are creating. It is 2023. So in my mind, I'm like, you know what? It's been different. I'm proud of the show. I'm proud of us. Even though we're not in studio, we're making content. We're giving you takes. The show is back on radio for the first time in a long time. Here we are doing it together. I'm proud that we're remote, and we're making this happen. Now, some people in our field are like, great, guys. You know how to use a microphone in 2023. I'm patting yourself on the back that you were able to get LeVac on the phone for 10 minutes. Enough already. I'm proud of it. But, man, that did sound like it didn't want LeVac here, didn't it?
Didn't sound great. All right, one more time. LeVac is remote right now, and I feel like I like saying that because it's been a wonderful week. You will be back in studio next week. Who knows what the wildness Wait, will be? You liked what? it better while I wasn't there? No, That's I didn't nice. say that. I, I didn't oh, say it was, so, it was a wonderful week without me. Thanks. We mentioned in that conversation some of the great sports weekend events coming up. One of those is the Preakness Stakes live this Saturday. We got the Preakness, the second leg of the Triple Crown. How can we make some cash on Saturday's big race? We bring back another familiar voice to the Capital Region to handicap and preview the field, the race, how you can make some cash this Saturday. It's our pal. You might know him from Albany basketball broadcast, Brian the Closer Mariano. He is going to handicap this year's Preakness Stakes. Coming up on the way next, you're listening to LeVac and Goss on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. How about elevating your brand with my friends at Elevation 10,000? LeVac, you're with you. And when I talk about elevating your brand, it's the things that you may not think of. Or maybe it's a couple things you did think about, but you didn't think of the whole package and how you can take where you are and leave that in the dust and go way all the way up. Elevation 10,000 can do it all for you, whether you're talking about the apparel you wear in the office, apparel you sell, uniforms for Little League, signs, uh, marketing. They do marketing. They're an award-winning video facility. They do videos for companies, whether it be for promos or commercials, and they have a wall of awards for what they've been able to do. The beauty of it is, is it's soups and, soup to nuts, man. Top to bottom, whatever you need to elevate your brand, Elevation 10,000 is going to be able to help you do just that. They even help you with a strategic marketing plan made just for you and your company. Signs, apparel, marketing, video, audio. If you need to elevate your brand, you need to get a hold of Elevation 10,000. LeVac and Gaz here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. The Preakness is this weekend. We're going to talk some horse racing, how you can make some cash and more, and we bring on a familiar voice. You may know him as the voice of Albany women's basketball this past winter. You've heard him picking horses across the Capital Region. We are happy to have him making his Fox Sports 95.9 and 980 debut with us now. Brian Mariano, the closer. You may know him as well on social media as well. Hello, my friend. I'm happy to have you here on this Friday. God, so happy to be with you, man. I know LeVac is out enjoying his vacation, so happy to come in and hopefully win some money for you guys. Yes, even though horse racing is your passion, what most people know you about here in the 518 You've been on the call over the past few months with Albany women's basketball. Let's recap quickly this season for those who haven't followed it. What a tremendous season it was. When you really think about 2023 so far locally, you could make a case this has been the best team in the 5-1-8 at the college level so far through 2023. Yeah, it was a really tough season for, for Colleen Mullen. And I say tough because... As good as they were, they battled a lot of injuries. I mean, you look at some of their top stars, and Gillian Hagerstrom barely practiced throughout the month of January and February because she was dealing with an injury. And you look at Kayla Cooper, how she was able to step up this year and be able to take over in certain absences in certain games. When you look at it, not getting that one seed hurt and then going up and facing the Catamounts. I know you've had Brady Farkas on, who's up there in Burlington, talking about this, but as good as that Vermont team was, I went up there with my partner, Rich Becker, to watch that game. And you could see how the culmination of the entire season came down to basically one quarter when they just didn't perform. And you can credit the Catamounts and how well they play defense, especially how hard it is to play 
in Patrick Gymnasium, but it almost seemed as if there was a lot of pressure that kind of mounted up and then hit them all at once in that one quarter when you only score four points in one quarter, it's really hard to win a championship. And they ultimately did fall to the Catamounts of the America East championship game. But Colleen Mullen does this every year. She revamps and looks to, to add more. And then they've done that so far throughout the spring. But looking back at this season, guys, I absolutely got to say it's one of the most successful seasons that I've called at UAlbany. And there was always that expectation where, you know, yes, you want to win this upcoming game, but you're trying to get to the ultimate prize. And every single player and every coach on that staff was willing to sacrifice to, to do that, giving up minutes. Early in the season, they didn't have some of their starters because of injury. So it was one of those teams where I think it was a good season despite not winning a championship one of the better seasons that Colleen Mullen could look back on. Now, you all mean women's lacrosse might make an argument because they were able to win their conference tournament, some of the most successful teams we've seen so far through this season locally. But the exciting part why I keep looking back at women's basketball for the Great Danes and what the next season can bring is, you mentioned it, the heartbreak, what it could have been, how close it was. And then you flip to the calendar, 2023-2024, local product, Shen High School's Megan Herter is going to join the program and if we're looking forward to the future, this feels like maybe even a better team coming back next season. Oh, I would agree with you guys. Yeah, you're going to look at it. You're going to lose Hillian Hagerstrom, which hurts a little bit, but you still have Kayla Cooper. You're going to lose Ellen Hane as well because she's out of eligibility. But the addition of Megan Herter is going to be huge for this squad. Kayla Cooper is going to have another season where she advances. And you look at a, a player even like Lily Phillips, a local star as well, who was injured for the back half of the season, didn't really play much, she'll have an opportunity now to take over at the point guard position because of the absence of Alan Hane. So I agree. I think the expectations are still there when you look at this upcoming season. And now, possibly with, with the new arena, they're, they're cutting it close now, whether it be the start of basketball season. I haven't really got an official word on what they're going to do with that. I know the, the news of yesterday was the men moving the uh, Albany Cup to making it a home game for Siena, but it, it'll be exciting if it's able to play on campus. But nonetheless, it, it was a great time just being at Hudson Valley Community College and the, kind of the atmosphere that they brought with the students there. So I think next season the expectations will be there. Colleen Mullen's going to expect, you know, it's them, Maine, and Vermont again, and they expect to win a championship. And I'm sure that's going to be a mentality all summer and right into the season as we start in November. Brian Mariano joining us here on Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980. It's Levac and Gaz. See you on a Friday. I have you before we hit the weekend. Some weekends have already started, depending on when you're listening, if you're listening on the iHeart app and more. So I always try to put us in a good mood before we head into the weekend. The weather is nice. And I say all that because of the question I lead off talking about this year's Preakness with. Closer, this might be the worst Preakness field in our lifetime hitting the gates on Saturday. And I think it's so funny that you say that because that was the first thing that I thought of coming back from vacation when I was watching the Kentucky Derby out in Las Vegas was, boy, I wonder who's going to run back. And this sparks the question. I know there's been a lot of talk about it the last two weeks on whether there will be changes to the Triple Crown in the upcoming years because of all of these horses that ran the Kentucky Derby are not coming back to face Mage in the Preakness. So that's really sparked a hot debate within the last two weeks. And uh, that will be something I think within the next five to 10 years, you might see differently is not this five weeks of grueling three races, three different distances and three different States. It might be something that changes. And you look at this race in particular, 
nobody comes back. Mage is the clear favorite, the horse to beat. But is he really? I mean, after watching that race, you got to be impressed with his Kentucky Derby. But the rest of this field leaves a lot to be desired. Let's go back a little bit, though, because you mentioned how much has changed here and why 10, 15, 20 years ago we saw so much more of a focus on the Triple Crown and horses trying to compete. What has made this change that so many owners are not viewing the Preakness as prestigious as it was in years past? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things that, that can add up to that. One of it's going to be is obviously a lot of owners and trainers look at what the price of these horses are going to be after they're done racing. You don't see a lot of horses run into their five, six-year-old years anymore. It's a lot of you want to win these prestigious dirt races or turf races and immediately get them into you know, their next life in creating more champions. And that's really what the focus has been on. It's not let's have a long, successful career and then we'll worry about being a stallion or a dad afterwards. It's how quickly can we turn this around to where they win three or four grade ones in a two- to three-year span, and then now we're moving on to the next part of their career. So the longevity of it has been an issue. So a lot of trainers, when you look at it this way, would rather say, okay, I ran fifth at the Kentucky Derby. If you're Todd Pletcher with Tapitrice, why am I going to try and run two weeks away? And he's been the master at this of skipping the Preakness and then running in the Belmont and has multiple Belmont station winners because of that. And trainers will then turn and say, I will take more time and have my horse rest up and then train up to a particular race, especially the Belmont, than to run the two weeks. And that's where it sparked the debate of maybe the two-week turnaround is too much in today's horse racing. It hurts for horse racing fans like you and I because of what it means to the Triple Crown. We're going to have to eventually at some point, maybe it's as soon as this upcoming June, we're going to have to reevaluate how we view Triple Crown winners. And that stings because, Closer, you were there at Belmont when American Farrell won the Triple Crown. I was there at Belmont when Justify won the Triple Crown. I don't want to undercut these amazing performances because how it's changed and the, the setups of now these horses who win the Derby in the fields they're facing. I don't want to undercut these horses when they put on a great performance over that stretch. No, I agree with you. I mean, I'm a purist just as much as you are when it look at it that way. But I'm also looking at the strength of horse racing to this generation, too. I mean, we grew up with our parents that really enjoyed going to the track. I mean, you've been to the track countless times with me and my family and friends and kind of that dedication to the sport. But for the new age of horse racing fan, it's more about, especially in this race, is the party. It's the going down and enjoying the other aspects of the track. So you have to find a way to really go at them and have them become interested in the track and horse racing. My point is, I don't think there's really that purist left in this generation. So I'm a fan, shockingly enough, I'm a fan of trying to look at this and reevaluating a new format to where you can, because ultimately you just want the best horses to run against each other. And that's what, just to get off track a little bit here, that's what the PGA Tour is doing and changing their format. They ultimately just want, because it's more exciting for you to watch Rory McIlroy play against John Rahm all the time than it is to have John Rahm play against a couple pros from your local uh, golf course. It's just not going to be the same. So I think that's going to be something that purists are going to hate. But ultimately, I think it's the best move for the sport is that they do reevaluate this and maybe make it a nine-week stretch 
where you run the Belmont on July 4th and have something a little bit different there. I think that's a, one that's up for consideration. Brian Mariano joining us here on Fox Sports 95, 9 and 90, previewing this Saturday's Preakness Stakes. I demanded that this audio be deleted from our board here about me watching the finish in my three-year-old son Rex imitating me. For those who haven't heard it, this is me watching the end of the Derby and the payoff. Mage winning. I'm saying. Maggie, 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 Maggie. Oh, my God. That gasp is just terrible, man. Seeing that try, I got to play it one more time. All right, that's going to get deleted at some point. So I cashed on the Derby. You and I were texting about it. Help us this Saturday. How do people win some cash on this year's Preakness Stakes? Yeah, you look at that, especially when you texted me that morning. Of, what do we think about Mage? And then the text right after he crossed the wire was, you still think there's any doubt? And an impressive way to do it. Pay to listen to LeVac and Goss. Andrew Champagne, one of my good friends, giving out Mage and a heck of a handicapping job for him. When you look at this field, though, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that Mage has faced better than this field. Obviously, coming right out of the Kentucky Derby, won a maiden race, and then immediately went to the Florida Derby, just made a little bit of an early move there, and then you make the rider change to Javier Castellano, and good shout-out to Javier Castellano finally getting his Kentucky Derby after 15 tries. But I'm looking at this race, guys, and the, the pace is really slow when it comes to what the Kentucky Derby was. 45-1 and one for the half mile in that race. You're going a 16th of a mile shorter. I don't see much pace here. If you look at it, it's going to be National Treasure from the rail, now back in the barn of Bob Baffert because he was with the team going into the Kentucky Derby. Wasn't able to – Bob Baffert is banned from Churchill Downs, so they put him in for the trainer change going in and now skip Churchill Downs the run here at the Preakness. I think he'll go to the lead. Blinkers on for him, the three-year-old out of Quality Road. And the Maryland bread, the four, Coffee with Chris, they'll be the two – on the front end, and then the wise guy horse of the week is first mission, a horse on the outside for Brad Cox, who just always seems to be around in these big-time dirt races. Luis Saez grabs the mount for him. Those three, I think, are going to be the ones dominantly on the lead. First mission to the outside, maybe sitting a length or two off. Mage, the question mark for him is going to be how will he break? Didn't break well out of the Kentucky Derby, was able to make that one sweeping move to pass everybody six or seven wide. I don't know if Javier Castellano will have the pace to run into to do something like that in this race. So I think he's got to be conscious about how far back he is. And I could honestly see a horse like National Treasure stealing this on the front end because if Coffee with Chris doesn't go and National Treasure has a one two-length lead and was able to go 23-47, it very well could be Bob Baffert stealing this race on the front end with John Velasquez, who definitely knows how to do that Ultimately, I think Mage is the best horse in the race. And I'm going to use – we've always talked about this, guys, me and you. This is the race where you want to look for some prices underneath if you're going to make any sort of money. So I'm not going to go tell you to play Mage with National Treasure. Uh, National Treasure rather. I'm going to use the six perform here for Shug McGahee and Fergo Lynch, who won the Federico Tessio the de prep for this race at uh, Laurel. Coming out of that one, going a mile and an eighth. Shug McGahee, they had to put – $150,000 up to even get into this race. He wasn't already nominated. And Sean McGee, he's not really one who recommends to his owners to put a lot of money up unless he has confidence in a horse is going to run well. They're going to find a way to try and make that money back. 
And if it's me, I look at Fergal Lynch, not really known if you, you play a lot of races here in New York, rides a lot in Maryland, but is a very good jockey and could sit a really nice trip here in front of Mage and could get first run with him and first mission. So I'm going to use Mage and perform on top of exact is that I will use national treasure. I will use the five red route one as well with Joel Rosario and Steve Asmussen underneath. So it's going to be three, six over one, five, six in exact is and I, or one, three, five, six, excuse me. So that will cost you eight bucks for $1. And I expect that it will be a race that you could try and find that horse underneath. Ultimately, if you had to hold my feet to the fire, I think Mage wins, and we have three weeks to talk about a possible triple crown winner when we go to Belmont. I don't want to give you my pick quite yet because we're going to save that for the play of the day coming up, thanks to Mohawk Chevrolet. But a little tease, our minds are headed in the same direction. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> we're not too far off. We're not on the different track, let's just say. Brian Marriott of the closer. Saratoga is not too far away. Your phone will be ringing more and more, and who knows? Maybe we'll get you up to the track Rumors has it, has it that we might be close to a place that serves adult beverages. Levac and I may have had to make some calls to make that happen. So hopefully we'll be seeing each other soon, and especially come July and August up at Saratoga. I look forward to it, guys. Many drinks and, of course, many winning tickets, hopefully, for the rest of us. I appreciate it, brother. There he goes, our guy, the closer, Brian Mariano, giving his picks for the Preakness. I'm going to give my pick about an hour from now when we close out the show. So coming up on the way... We got Brady Farkas, but Brady Farkas and Closer both brought to you by our friends over at Elevation 10,000 on our phone lines. Elevation 10,000, elevate your brand today. The 4 o'clock hour on the way, the top forward four. NBA talk, New York Mets talk. We got some wagers on the way. It's all coming up on this Friday edition of LeVac and Goss on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Hey, it's LeVac from Mohawk Chevrolet. Have you heard about Car Bravo? That's right, Mohawk Chevrolet, who is the place to go when you need a vehicle, has now made it even easier when you're talking about pre-owned vehicles. They changed the game with Car Bravo. Any maker model, not just Chevrolet, whatever it is you're looking for, if you can name it, you can now buy it certified from Mohawk Chevrolet. Here are some of the great features that Car Bravo offers you. At-home test drives available upon request. Or upon request, I mean, however you want to say it. See how excited I get about these things? Buy or sell your vehicle from the comfort of your home, dealership, wherever you are. I might buy or sell one during the show and God isn't paying attention. You don't know. Delivery to your front door or location of your choice. Guaranteed limited warranty on any make or model backed and serviced by Mohawk Chevrolet. How great is that? 126 checkpoint inspection, free Carfax Victor, vehicle victory. I call it victory because you're winning. Vehicle history report, roadside assistant anytime, day or night, courtesy transportation during a warranty repair. The list goes on and on. Car Bravo has changed the used vehicle game. Check out Car Bravo at MohawkChevrolet.com. Visit them at off of exit 12 of the Northway in Malta. Find new roads with Car Bravo at Mohawk Chevrolet, where they always go out of their way to please you. LeVac here for USX. Pestcontrol.com. Go to usxpest.com right now and schedule your free inspection. For free, they're going to come out to your house. They're going to walk around the trouble spots. They're going to, you're going to tell them where you've seen things, where you think there might be an issue, and they're going to come up with a plan for you to have the safest home possible when it comes to pest control. The non-chemical exclusion system is perfectly safe, all-natural approach to keeping out rodents and wildlife from your home. So your pets are safe. Your 
kids are safe, you're safe, and all because they went around and did this for you. They also are going to look at your yard. Hey, do you have uh, tick issues? Do you want to keep mosquitoes out? They've got a plan for all of it at USX. You've come to know and love the Gagne family of brands, and you may not even have realized it. They were Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USX Pest Control. Go to USXPest.com right now and schedule your free inspection. It's time for the top four at four with Levac and Gaz. Brought to you by Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Brady Farkas, it's a Friday. It's Farkas. It's the top four at four. We're going local here, Brady. Local sports talk here for number four. This one might be a little bit out of your wheelhouse, but we want you as a Capital Region native. Are you? Wait, wait hang on a second. I've been calling you a Capital Region native throughout the week. Is that actually true when you were born in Seattle? That's not actually how that works, right? I wasn't here. born in Seattle either. Well, well, wait, wait a second. California. Yes. Okay, you are born in California, lived in Seattle, then came back. Does that make you a Capital Region native if you grew up here? Yes. Okay. I can, I can kind of just claim where I want to depending on who I'm talking to. So with you, I claim Capital Region native. Okay. I'm going to have, you know what? No follow-ups. All right, 7 o'clock kickoff here. Jacksonville Sharks taking on the Albany Empire Saturday, 7 o'clock. The Empire have constantly found themselves in headlines for things off the field. If you've missed this, Brady, earlier in the show we discussed that Antonio Brown's back in the news. Shocking. That now the story, the big story here locally is that Antonio Brown went to a local restaurant, ran up a big bill, didn't pay it. It then became a story on the news. He then paid it. So that's the story. Antonio Brown may or may not debut for the Albany Empire at home the following weekend, Memorial Day weekend, or might debut in June. Now he's in the headlines for not paying bills. Are people more interested, less interested? How do you find yourself as somebody outside of the Capital Region now when it comes to the Albany Empire in this matchup down in Florida on Saturday, 7 o'clock, which you can watch on YouTube? Not interested at all. Not interested at all. I'm kind of uh, really just embarrassed because there are a lot of people – that love the Firebirds. There were people that love the Conquest, which predate you. There are people that love the Empire, and when they brought you know brought Arena Football back, and I know they were selling it out or getting close to sellouts, and they were winning titles. And I think people were genuinely excited to have another thing to go to and have another pro sports team and have another team that was good and another tenant for the uh, whatever they're calling that arena now down there. Um, you know, it used to be the Pepsi, then it was the TU MVP. Center. It's got a different. That's it, the MVP Arena. So I think people were excited about that. I, I just feel bad for those people because it, the team seems a lot less interesting right now and a lot more dysfunctional. So, yeah, it's interesting to see what happens with Antonio Brown because he's a name that we know. But in terms of being interested in the whole team, I'm I'm really not. I wish I could say that I'm going to be locked in Saturday night for Empire Act, especially as the past two years as the broadcaster. I want to support the both home and away broadcast. And that's how it's done. The Jacksonville team down in the Shark Tank's going to have the call. Do I think that the views on YouTube will be higher than they've been in previous games? To that, I'm going to say yes. And the reason I say yes to that is because there have been people who may have not followed the Empire in all the past two seasons, in particular two seasons post-COVID, that might be coming over now. There may have been people who followed the Empire when they came back in 2018 and then 2019 when they fall short of the championship. uh, 2019 when they win the championship. 2018 they fell short. That might be like, all right, let me just see what's going on. I haven't been watching or going to Empire Games, but if I pull this up on YouTube, let me see what this is all about before Antonio Brown debuts. 
kind of figuring out what's happening. The comparison I keep thinking about is like catching up on a show. Like, hey, I haven't watched this show before, but everybody's talking about it. Let me watch a few episodes, see what the buzz is all about, and then catch up to everybody else. This has a very binge-like quality, this Jacksonville game. Will I be watching? No. Do I think other fans in the Capital Region might find themselves piquing their interest before AB allegedly debuts? Yeah. I think there might be more talk about it than I even realize right now. No, I don't think so. People will watch when he plays. People will watch when he plays to see how he looks, what he does on the field, what his attitude is like on the field, how he relates to the team, the team that he's allegedly, you know, not being that great to. I think that stuff, kind of the drama of Antonio Brown playing, will lead to a bump. But look, it's Friday night. It's Friday night, nice weather. The bars are open, the restaurants are open, and you're telling me that more people are going to sit at their computer and watch YouTube? No shot. Story number three involves the Pittsburgh Steelers signing backup quarterback. Hey, speaking of Antonio Brown. Yes. Mitch, a.k.a. Mitchell Trubisky, he's now gone back to Mitch. Anyways, Trubisky was the second overall pick. Contract goes through the 2025 season. Trubisky likely going to be the backup to Kenny Pickett, who was the 2022 first-round pick. And also earlier in the week, for whatever reason, the Steelers decided to sign back Mason Rudolph, which I'm surprised he's still in the league. He hasn't done anything to prove he should be in the league. But nonetheless, do you find this surprising, Brady, that Mitchell, a.k.a. Mitch Trubisky, is getting a three-year contract extension to be a backup? What does it mean, if anything, for Pickett or the future of Trubisky? I mean, I think it's genius on Pittsburgh's side, first and foremost, right? Like, whether you think Mitchell Trubisky is an all-pro or not, Mitchell Trubisky is capable of being in the league, and therefore, we have seen case after case where it's better to have invested in in a serviceable backup than just have, you know, some undrafted free agent back there, right? Like, we see this all the time, where... You know, uh, uh, Chad Henney in the AFC title game or in the AFC divisional or whatever a couple of years ago has to come in. Like, it pays to invest in your backup quarterback. So having a guy who has started, who has been to the playoffs twice, again, I'm not saying he's an all-pro. I'm not saying he's a pro bowler. But a guy who can fill in for a snap, for a down, for a quarter, for a game, for a month, whatever, I would take Mitchell Trubisky under those circumstances. As for him, I think it's, it's understandable why he'd want to be there because there's a young quarterback there who, although they've invested in, there's not somebody well-established ahead of him, right? Like this is not, you're going to back up Patrick Mahomes where, you know, you're never seeing the field. Kenny Pickett's got a long leash. I would imagine this year, but beyond this year, you don't know that he's not going to fall out of favor. And we saw what happened with Geno Smith in Seattle, where you're in the same system for a couple of years. You're well-liked. You know the system well. You've got a rapport with guys on the roster. You've got a rapport with receivers. When you get your shot, you have a chance to make a much easier transition rather than just bouncing around year to year and hoping you're going to get a shot. It surprises me he wants to potentially sit for three years, but it doesn't surprise me that he wants to build some continuity and get a ch- and, and be in a place where the quarterback is not necessarily on solid ground forever. What's the negative I keep going back to? And that's why I feel like it is a good move by Pittsburgh too, just as you feel, because with this being the final year of his contract, look at all the things that could have happened. He could have walked at the end of the year. Pickett could have got hurt, and Pittsburgh said, we just don't want to pay him anymore because his price has gone up. So contract, potentially he walks. 
maybe he plays so well you got to consider franchise tagging him or Pickett plays so terribly that now Trubisky's got you in the mix and you've got a cap hit on him. He's got a salary cap hit of tag, I should say. There's too many variables that could go wrong if you don't pay him. So just go ahead and pay him. And if he sits on the bench and he's got $8 million guaranteed in that first part of the deal, what a great gig. You could potentially play in zero games this season and make $8 bucks holding that clipboard. Chad Henney is smiling somewhere thinking, what a gig this is. The problem with Trubisky is that I feel like his career is always going to be compared to Watson and Mahomes. Watson and Mahomes were both picked after Trubisky. Trubisky, they traded up to go get him. One pick, the Niners and the Bears flipped to make that thing happen. Now, look, the Niners should not get that much credit for that trade because it didn't work out as great as people think it did for them, but franchise to franchise comparison, the Niners have had more success than the Bears since Trubisky's been in the league. But there's no negative. I can't. The only negative I've really had to go digging for one is that it hurts Kenny Pickett's feelings. Oh, you're going to pay your backup. Oh, you're going to motivate a young quarterback to know that his job's on the line. He's got to work hard in practice because it's not guaranteed. Those sound like great motivators. Now, if he wants to be sensitive about it, he can, and some athletes have been. But I see no negative. Oh, and by the way, let me add one other thing. If somebody gets hurt in the NFL... You got a great trade piece right now. That's a pretty decent contract that a lot of NFL teams that if they're scrambling for a QB might say it's worth taking a trade and giving up a pick for Trubisky. Kenny Pickett was a a first-round pick. I think think it's been conveyed to him that this is his job and this is about organization, the best for the organization in having somebody capable of coming in if he got hurt. I don't think that Kenny Pickett is on any thin ice this year. It would be next year – you know, if he was terrible, that, you know, you could see Trubisky maybe uh, slide in. But I wouldn't be worried about it this year if I were Pickett. Now let's check out the Major League Baseball slate of games for story number two. The New York Yankees take on the Cincinnati Reds. 6-40, first pitch in store for that one. Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees. As Brady's been annoyed by this all week, yes, I did just pick up Clark Schmidt on my fantasy team because all week long when we've been doing this, How many hurt- ads do you have a week? Isn't there a limit? Five. Five ads a week. Okay. I've, I've had to dump some players because of how bad they've been. So let's go, Clark Schmidt. I need you tonight. Also in action, the New York Mets are hosting the Cleveland Guardians. Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Mets. And Boston Red Sox action. They start a series tonight as they will be taking on the San Diego Padres on the West Coast. A lot of West Coast games on the way here for Boston. So you're home for the Red Sox, of course, right here, 95.9 and 980. Our coverage tonight gets underway to 840 with first pitch set for 940 Eastern. James Paxton on the mound for the Red Sox. Blake Snell on the mound for the Padres. Let's just preview this Friday night game, Brady. You hear Paxton and Snell. That sounds like a pitcher's duel to me. It might be lack of runs on a West Coast potential midnight post finish for East Coast fans rooting on the Red Sox tonight. Nah, Blake Snell is not the Blake Snell that won the Cy Young a few years ago. He's 1-4. He's got an ERA near 5. He hasn't been great for the last couple of years. I don't know why ever since he left Tampa, he's become immensely hittable. Maybe it's just because Tampa does such a good job with their pitching that no one else can replicate it. I'm fascinated for this matchup for a couple of different reasons. One, the Padres are one of the most underachieving teams in baseball, right? The Mets are underachieving. So are the Phillies. Padres are 20 and 24 right now. They got to turn their season around. They're probably going to have to do it without Manny Machado tonight. And maybe the whole weekend, he's got a small broken bone in his hand. So like, how do they turn around probably without Machado? Um, 
Xander Bogarts going up against the Red Sox now for the first time since he left in the offseason. Really, the team didn't necessarily want him back, or they, you know, they lowballed him. The Padres came in and way overpaid for him. However you spin it, it's Bogarts against his old team. That's a storyline. So um, I don't think Snell is that great anymore. As for Paxton, look, he's barely pitched in, in three years, right? He hasn't really pitched since 2019. He came out at nine strikeouts his last time out. Uh, his first start of the year against the Cardinals, it's going to be about can he replicate it, can he bounce back, and can he ultimately stay healthy. If he can be healthy and good, the ceiling is a lot different for this Red Sox team. I'm taking the under. There's a little preview for me tonight, Brady Farkas. Even though you gave great scouting reports for both Paxton and Snell, and I can't debate, especially the Snell one, about how much better. It feels like Blake Snell became a worse pitcher the moment he had the Rona line Back in 2020, yeah. <laughs> like the moment he let that out of his mouth, he hasn't been a good pitcher. Eight, by the way, is the over-under tonight. I'm going to take the under. I believe both these guys can find something on a Friday night in San Diego and spot on about the Padres being a team that struggled. My guy Adam Shine picked them to win the World Series. I listened to Adam yesterday on the CBS side yelling and screaming how he wants off. He wants a refund for his pick. San Diego can't do this. A franchise that had been so active in the offseason right now. A la the Mets in some ways, really active in free agency, but have yet to see some of those big-time acquisitions push them further enough. And I know San Diego was in the NLCS last season, but this is not where they thought they'd be, no doubt, in May of 2023. And story number one, the NBA playoffs. And for another day in a row, you probably should have guessed it. With the battles that are going on in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, this has been the biggest story. Nothing locally has jumped at quite yet. We've had some Yankees and Mets stories rival the playoffs, but this is the semifinal round in the NBA. And for another time this week, we're diving deeper and into it. Lakers, Nuggets, Celtics, Heat. Stick around. We got that coming up on the way to preview those games and more. Brady Park is going to hang with us for another segment to close out our Friday show. We got so much still on the way. You're listening to LeVac and Goss on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Hey, it's LeVac for the Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa with Dr. Fred Dreher. Everybody I talk to reminds me that I do this commercial. You're welcome, okay? I'm helping, all right? Stop picking on me that I'm so happy I'm sleeping so well, and it's so easy thanks to the Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa. I got people who come up to me and go, yeah, the mask doesn't do anything for me. Well, I don't use the mask. It's a mouthpiece. Well, I don't want to have surgery. Well, good luck. I didn't either. I'm not having surgery. I went. I got a custom-made mouthpiece just for me. It keeps my airway open. It keeps my bottom jaw forward just enough that my airway stays open, which reduces the snoring, which helps me sleep, which keeps me breathing all night long, which turns out breathing very important. It's a big deal. You want to keep doing it. And that's the kind of help that I'm here to offer and that my friend Dr. Fred Dreher at the Integrative Sleep Center has perfected. The Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa, 518-885-6185. They're going to help you the way they help me. It's amazing. The Integrative Sleep Center helping me sleep better. They'll help you sleep better, too. A big basketball weekend coming up here as we head on this Friday show closer and closer to Saturday and Sunday. Brady Farkas joining us here on LeVac and Goss to talk some hoops and more as he's done all week, and we appreciate his time. Brady, we've been doing it all week. Getting ready to talk a little bit more hoops to close out this Friday show. Yeah, looking forward to the Celtics game tonight. It's it's not a technical must-win, but it feels like a must-win, and Really exciting Western Conference game last night, as I you know, mentioned in the top four at four, told you the uh, Nuggets out to a 2 nothing lead. But real quick, before we get into whatever you want to get into regarding last night or tonight, can I divert for just a second? Yes, I had a feeling on a Friday we might be going in a different direction. Go ahead, yes. So, so I had a men's league playoff game last night, 
right? And baseball scored seven. No, 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 basketball. Okay. So I scored 17, which is it's okay. I mean, you know, really, if you're kind of worth your salt in this league, you should score 20. Like I had 37 last week. My question to you is, are you a jerk if you keep track of your points in men's league? Because I do, and I don't know if I like I, I don't know if I should be proud of that or ashamed. This is a great question. This might be the best question we you've asked me in years. This is fantastic. Okay. So me, my personal answer to that question. You're an absolute fool if you're keeping your stats in that. However, I think I'm in the minority on that. I don't think the majority agrees with me on that take because my buddies from back home in central New York, my buddies from back home in Syracuse, there is a Microsoft Excel sheet with most of my friends that have a place called the John Carno Recreation Center, which is a place that has, I'm not even kidding, 10 and a half foot ceilings. It's a 10 foot hoop. They have 10 and a half foot ceilings. You can barely shoot. So you can see the kids where I grew up. They all have line drive shots. Barely can <laughs> shoot. They're keeping stats. And there's like 14 year olds in there playing. 12. These are grown men. They have highlights. They have uh, plus and minus percentages. So I personally would say you're a fool for keeping your stats. You're in the same level, but maybe even lower than person who keeps the stats in gym class. I used to have a friend who used to keep his stats in gym class. Like men's league. Brady, I would say, is below gym class in high school. But Buddy, I have, like, we're so old now. There's so little to keep track of and so little to have pride in. <laughs> like, this is what it is. Like, if I if I keep scoring golf, it's going to shoot like a 120. Like, that's not worth bragging about. 37 in the men's league, getting 37 on some 24-year-old who's 10 years younger than me. There's some pride in that. So, yeah, it might be pathetic, but I'm glad to hear your buddies are more pathetic than me. I'm not keeping track of rebounds, mainly because I don't get any. I don't go inside. I just stand outside. But, like, I'm not keeping track of assists. I'm not telling you what my field goal percentage was. All I'm keeping track of is points. And I got to tell you, I felt like a jerk. But when I saw Jason Tatum on Sunday in game seven against the Sixers put up the 5-0, like, he knew he got 50. I know it's on a big scoreboard somewhere in the building, but he knew it was 50. If Jason Tatum can know it's 50, then I can know I had 17 or 37 or anywhere in between. I want you to plug your Twitter so people can leave comments. I know our guy, Corey Green, which is leaving you comments yesterday, Peter on Twitter, others. Plug the Twitter because I want to have some response to that. Go ahead, Brady. At WDEV Radio Brady. Yeah, let me know because... I have asked several people about this, and some people say you're just the lowest form of human scum, and other people say that you're a selfish player if you care about your your points rather than team success. I got news for you. I'm 33 years old. I don't get any commemorative trophy or T-shirt for winning the league title. I could get some self-pride and some, uh, you know, pat on the back if I score 37. So, yeah, selfish. Call me. I don't care. That's probably true. That's fair. At this age, I'm about to be uh, – it's good to be selfish. Team sports was for high school. This is all about me now. There's there's no I in team unless it's men's league with an I somewhere. You know what though? I'd like I'd like to win. I'd like to win, but I'll be honest with you. This is gonna sound bad. At this point in my life, if if we went ten and oh and I average five points a game, I'd rather go oh and ten and average forty five points a game. I'm sorry. Brady, no, <laughs> no, no, no. This care. is a horrible wait, Brady. You you know what? You almost got yourself out of it. 
But you can't do that. So now you're just going out there for your selfish stats to talk about them here on Fox Sports 95-9-9. No! It's about winning and building teams and doing things outside your comfort zone and making new friend groups. Like, that's what I thought adult leagues are supposed to be, getting beers after, like, kickball leagues and slow-pitch softball. That's what it's camaraderie and getting out of the house. You make a a fine point. You can't be so self-driven and you can't be so ball hoggish that the other people don't like you. Like, I still want to be able to have beers after the game. So you got to get everybody involved. I want everybody to have success. But if you're telling me, hey, you can go 10-0, and but you're barely going to play and get five points a game, or you can go 0-10, everyone's going to like you still, you're still a good teammate, and you're getting 40 a game, I will choose the latter. Like, there has to, I have to have everybody like me so I can still be part of the team bonding and beers in the beer, beers afterwards and get invited to somebody's, you know, lake house or golf or whatever. Like you have to have that. But as far as success goes, I only want to keep winning. So we get to keep playing in the playoffs so I can score more. I thought this was just going to be you wondering whether or not your stance should be counted. This is so much deeper. I got I want to do this another 90 seconds because I want to make sure to plug the iHeart app because if you're listening to Brady right now, leave a 30-second message. Maybe you compete in fun kickball leagues. Maybe you're a fast pitcher, slow pitch softball player. Maybe you're like Brady, you're in the men's basketball league and you care about your stats and all that stuff. I, I'm glad you still have the competitive fire in you because especially male sports fans, there is some guys who are just competitive and need to scratch that competitive edge. And it's good. It's healthy. I don't know if it's the like the the afternoon drive that I've worked the majority of my adult life. I don't know if it's just sporting events. I have never had the urge post college to like play in any of these leagues. I played in two basketball leagues and I was like, I'm good. And I don't know why. What makes me think that now and what frightens me is I wonder if that competitive flame will come back and I'm gonna be the idiot parent yelling during little league games. Or like <laughs> that's I don't be that. I know. But, like, I'm trying to tell myself, like, I can't just turn it off and then all of a sudden one day be like, oh, I'm back in. I think it's healthier to do what you're doing than what I did was take 10 years off and then throw back in craziness with six-year-olds running around. The the last thing I will say about this is I don't think that I'm that different than a lot of players who play professional sports. How many times have you seen a guy, he knows he's going to a losing situation, he takes the contract. He's motivated by something other than winning, right? Like he's motivated by the chance to go. We saw it with the Celtics. I know we're going to talk about the Celtics here, so I'll just transition it back on my own here. Terry Rozier, a couple of years, was a point guard for the Celtics. He was excellent. He, he really starred in the playoffs because Kyrie Irving was hurt. But when Kyrie was coming back, Rozier wanted out. He's like, look, I, I've, I've shown what I can do. I understand this team is good, but I can make more money somewhere else. I can get more shine somewhere else. I can get more runs somewhere else. I can put up better stats somewhere else. So he left the really good Celtics to go to the not very good Charlotte Hornets. He made a selfish best for Terry Rozier decision. Robinson Cano, when he left the Yankees and went to the Mariners, $240 million. We know that's why he went. Guys are motivated by things other than winning at the pro level. So at my level, I can be motivated by making myself look good more so than me going out and getting some commemorative t-shirt at the end of the whole thing. I would like to win. I would like to win. I just want to be the reason why. (laughs) That's all. That's it. Uh, You mentioned the Celtics tonight. They are a 10-point favorite taking on the Miami Heat in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. 10's a lot of points. 8.30 tip-off. Looking at Game 2, impact players, fourth quarter edge. You and I, when we recap game one we talked about 
and you mentioned it, the theme of the Celtics, it seems like have a big lead, blow it. Have a big lead, blow it. Effort? Is that the one word that needs to describe game two for Boston even this up? Effort? Effort. Yeah. yeah. Effort Effort and consistency. Because I know that Miami is going to be consistent in their effort. Whether they are, whether they make 15 threes or not, I that I can't predict. But I can predict that they're going to play hard throughout. And they are going to be a nuisance throughout. And they are going to keep coming. If Miami gets up two, they're going to work their tail off to extend it. If Miami's down 15, they're going to work their tail off to get back into it. The Celtics have a tendency to take their foot off the gas. So it's going to be about the effort, but it's going to be about consistent effort and bringing it for a full 48 minutes. Because if, as you saw, if you take 12 minutes off against this team, you can and will be beaten. So it is about effort. It is about consistency. And then I think along the same lines, it's about attitude. Effort is part of attitude or attitude is part of effort, however you want to say it, but they have to stay together and there can be no finger pointing and they don't really do this, but there can be no finger pointing. There can be no fracturing because I don't want to see they're up 15. All of a sudden it's down to four and somebody's in somebody's grill in a way that isn't, isn't productive. In no particular order, LeBron, Kobe, Russell Westbrook, those are three guys who quickly pop into my brain of in situations like this, your team is trailing in a playoff series. What the storyline would be around the team trailing would be, oh, they've got to take over. They've got to do a lot. And there have been times in all of those careers, and maybe there's another example you can think of, but LeBron, Kobe, and Russell Westbrook, a criticism for those three players in situations like this would be they tried to do too much. Kobe tried to shoot too much. Russell Westbrook had too high of a percentage of ball in his hand during possessions. And uh, LeBron, I mean, go back and look at the Maverick series if you need. There's been times where he actually didn't perform well, but the heat fell on him. No pun intended there. My fear for Celtics fans tonight is that this could be a Jason Tatum situation where people are going to look at Tatum. And the biggest criticism is, is he a superstar? Is he great? If Boston loses tonight or is struggling or trailing, that's because Tatum tries to do too much. And that's my fear is that is Tatum going to try to go for 35 shots tonight and get the Twitter love and all that other stuff that could happen if he tries to go that next echelon of player in the league? No, I, I don't think so. The The big thing is effort and consistency. Look, Jason Tatum scored 30 points in game one. He had a good statistical game in game one. The heat on him is that he didn't attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. That That's the heat on him that he didn't attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. Now, he had the ball in his hands and turned it over a bunch, which nobody seems to want to mention. Like, he was on his way to getting shots and traveled and turned it over. But it's about killer instinct. It's about the ability to finish for Jason Tatum, right? Like, I don't think it's going to be that he tries to do too much. It's can he close the game out? And he has shown the ability several times to be a closer. Game seven against Philly. Last year, game six against Milwaukee. When he's on and he, he's engaged, he is one of the best closers. But he isn't always on and he isn't always engaged. So I don't think he's going to try to do too much, but I just got to see him do it in the fourth quarter. Brady Farkas joining us here on LeVac Gaz, Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980, talking NBA playoffs as we've done all week long. The conference finals are here. The NBA finals not too far away. Last night, the Nuggets prevail again they take down the lakers a five point victory over la close game again in the fourth quarter but again denver holds on you and i have said from the start of the series 
and before that this seemed to be Denver all the way. Now two games to none. Brady, nothing makes me feel different that LA is going to be able to come back and catch the Nuggets. No, I think that uh, I think Denver is going to win this. And I said I think they'll win in six. I think they'll lose game three. Um, you know, that's kind of typically how this goes. The team comes home, has the fans back against the wall, et cetera. I just think Denver is too deep, right? You saw it last night. Now, I know he wasn't as good as in game one, but Denver has the best big man in this series in Jokic. They have the best guard in this series to me in Murray, and Murray showed it in the fourth quarter yesterday. And as great as LeBron is at his age, I don't think he can neutralize those two things. You see LeBron settling for a lot of threes, and he's shooting like 20% from three in these playoffs. But those are the shots that he can get easily right now, and he's not hitting them. And as I predicted yesterday, Anthony Davis was not going to be as good in game two. You talk about consistency, Anthony Davis you know, went from 40 points to, I, I don't know exactly what he finished with, but it was less than 20, I believe, last night. And maybe he just got to 20, but I don't even think he got to that. So Jokic and, and Murray are just a better tandem. I don't want to put the flowers in the dirt, potentially, on the 2023 Lakers quite yet. But uh, I want to play this game a little bit. Let, let's say the Lakers are knocked out quick. Five games, oh, four God, games, okay. whatever it is, okay? So thinking ahead to the future. Next year is going to be year 20 for LeBron. LeBron debuted in the league in October of 2003. He's already the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. We are no doubt in the final few seasons of LeBron. So what's going to happen next? So he's got one year left to go for the Lakers, likely. His son, Bronny, has committed to USC. So Bronny's going to be in college basketball next season. It's going to be an odd finish for the Lakers. Like, I don't see them in the offseason going all in and trying to win one more with LeBron at 38 years old. Will they? I'm very fascinated by how the Lakers potentially handle the final season with LeBron if LeBron decides to bolt LA and go play wherever Bronny's drafted, if that's still his scenario, which has been rumored. Do you feel that whole end to the Lakers here with LeBron might be messier than we've talked about leading up to next offseason? No, they still have LeBron and Anthony Davis, and they're still going to think that they're contenders with that. They're still – look, they've developed a nice little core here this year that if it played together for 82 games, you'd think could be, you know, could be good enough. They, they see the Warriors and think maybe that they're coming to an end. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Dallas. You know, that's another team that's supposed to be good. That I'm not sure what's going to happen there with Dallas and Kyrie, et cetera. So I think the Lakers would think they were in it. And I think they just think they have to get a top six seed, avoid the play-in game, and they will always have a chance. So, no, I don't think it's necessarily going to be messy. What I think is most interesting is the point about LeBron playing with Bronny. And I know that's not the topic, but, like, I, I think it's really interesting from a whole lot of different levels there. One, does a team draft Bronny solely for the purpose of getting LeBron? Do they use Bronny to get to LeBron? Does a team want Bronny but not want LeBron and be forced to take him? Is it really good parenting necessarily for LeBron to – look, it's a selfish goal of LeBron to play with his son. Is it best for his own kid's development to be to, to be his dad and be on his same team? I, don't, I, think, I think that's more fascinating than what happens to the Lakers next year. It also makes you think, okay, if you could put your son in a position that because of my success – and whatever craft it is, whether it be a business owner – whether it be a broadcaster, whether it be a basketball player, because of the success I've had in my career, I could potentially set up my future, my sibling, uh, excuse me, my sons for that future. That's pretty cool. But you had a really 
few good follow-ups of, yeah, that's good for year one. But what happens when LeBron retires? They're just going to cut him? What if Ronnie doesn't play well? What if Ronnie stinks at you? There is so much more that's coming that is fascinating. But yeah, the but Lakers. What if, what if Ronnie needs two, three, four years of college development? Is it really good for LeBron to say, hey, I want to play with you, so I'm going to pull you out of what's best for your development? Yeah, that stuff is all very fast. And that's going to be the discussion whenever the Lakers season ends. Could be sooner than later. Brady Farkas, it has been a fun week. Thank you so much for doing this. We are hoping to have you back in July. We mentioned it earlier in the week. We got some stuff going down. So this is not the final time you're going to hear Brady Farkas. It's been far too long that Capital Region sports fans waited to hear you back on the airwaves here locally. But it won't be this long again, my friend. It has been fun. Now, next time I get home, I got to find myself at uh, Country Drive-In in Clifton Park, uh, Jumpin' Jacks in, in, uh, in Glenville. I got to hit up. All the old haunts. Now that I've got the nostalgia of talking with you again, i got to hit up all the old haunts when I come home. Next. Well, when you come home next time, make sure one of the spots you hit up is Mohawk Honda. We know you know about the Mohawk family. You've got a great connection with them and all that great stuff happened with Mohawk Honda. But the weekend is on the way. So if you got that weekend Memorial Day road trip thinking about June and July on the way, but your vehicle you're driving around right now, you're starting to get worried if you can actually make the road trip, upgrade your vehicle today. At Mohawk Honda in Glenville. Say what's up to Cam McKenna, Brian McKenna, Greg Johnson, Lindsey Harrodin, everybody from Nick and Nate doing social media, John and service. You've heard these names throughout the week. One more shout out for her, Lydia and East Greenbush, who gave us a, hey, the reason I stopped over to Mohawk Honda was because of LeVac and Gaz. We love hearing that. So make your appointment this weekend. Stop in and get yourself a new ride. Or maybe you want a certified pre-owned vehicle. Maybe you want to find that ride that fits your budget and more. They're going to have it for you. And the most important part that I love telling people, it's people that you can trust during the car buying experience. So many horror stories I've heard from the past that people don't even want to get a new vehicle because they're so afraid to go to a dealership. That is not the case at Mohawk Honda. We're going to be there May 30th, make it a part of your day to get yourself a new ride. It's Mohawk Honda where they always go out of their way to please you. Now I'm heading to Syracuse this weekend in my pilot, and then I'm off to Rochester But in between there, between the PGA Championship and my drive to Syracuse, Mets fans are going to see some new Syracuse Mets, now as New York Mets. We're going to talk about that and what it can mean for the future of the Mets in 2023 as the broadcaster Michael Tricarico joins us next here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. LeVac and Goss here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. New York Mets fans, it has been a wild week for you from come from behind victories and maybe something sparking and this team can find themselves in first place later on. But one of those sparks that could potentially be in the lineup is some of these new prospects. And who better to talk about it than a guy who's watching the prospects up and close and in person throughout this season. That is the AAA broadcaster for the Syracuse Mets. Michael Tricarico joins us on the phone lines. Tricky, we're going to get to the prospects. But please, I, I got to start off with this. It's getting a lot of buzz over the last month. I, people have been sending it to me in the DMs on Instagram Can we talk about you and your broadcast partner, Evan Stockton, and the situation you guys had talking about breakfast foods earlier this spring? Yeah, guys. uh, First off, thanks for having me on. Uh, Always enjoy talking to you. And, and yeah, earlier this year, there's this boozy brunch promotion that we do in Syracuse. So it was a Sunday afternoon. Every Sunday we do this, this promotion. And uh, one of our fine staff members decided to bring us up some uh, some of the bottomless mimosas that are being offered as, as part of the promotion. And it got us talking on breakfast foods. And Evan Stockton, my broadcast partner, brought up this thing of pancakes for the table, which I have never heard of before. 
I one said it's not a thing, and I, I'm not even sure if it should be a thing. And he's like, no, it's it's totally a thing. And we got in this whole debate. People on social media have jumped in as well. I think there's two parts, two questions. One is pancakes for a table a thing, and if it's not a thing, should it be a thing? I don't think it's a thing whatsoever. I've never heard of it. I think pancakes are their own separate meal. They're not an appetizer. They're not like cinnamon rolls or something else you might get for the table as an appetizer, nachos, something like that. Pancakes are something you get as your your own meal. Now, I don't think it's a thing. Should it be a thing? I don't know. Probably not. But, I mean, to each their own, I suppose. But, yeah, that that got us going for a while. Evan vehemently thinking it's a thing. Maybe it's a Midwest thing. He's he's from Metro Detroit, so maybe it's a, a Midwest thing that I just don't know about. Like you. Evan is a very talented broadcaster. A great career is on the way. But let me be the first to say he's an absolute fool with this take. It is a cold, <laughs> terrible take. You and I grew up basically in the same area, both Central New York guys. This is nonsense to us. And please, you can let us know on social media, at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z, at WOFX980. I will tag Tricky in the post. This is nonsense about pancakes for the table at brunch. And No. You are right. He is wrong. And you can let my guy Ben Prez know about that take as well. He's a Central New York guy, too. He'll he'll set Evan Stockton straight. All right, so let's get into the prospects here. We've got some news. Mark Vientos called up to the big league squad. What can Mets fans expect about this prospect? I'll tell you what. His bat for a couple years now could have played at the major league level, and I think you saw that the other day with his game-tying two-run home run. I talked to coaches. I talked to scouts and other players, and uh, even as far back as Geez, early to middle of the year last year, there was no question his bat was major league ready. The, the question always was, where is he going to play defensively? He's normally a third baseman or first baseman. Well, unfortunately, first base. well, I mean, fortunately, you have Pete Alonzo on your team, but unfortunate for Mark, uh, that's not a spot that's open in, in the majors for him. And at third base, you had Escobar, and, and now you have Brett Beatty, who, you know, it, it has shown to have a little bit better grasp on, on third base. So, Fortunately, you do have the, that DH spot in the National League now. And, you know, that's a position that I think, you know, Vientos, a lot had been said last year and even this year that, oh, he's got a platoon, right? He's a right-handed bat. He'll be the right-handed platoon to the DH spot. And, and last year, I think that held some credence. I was, I was looking at some numbers just yesterday and, and, and earlier this week. And last season against left-handed pitching, Vientos had an OPS of better than 1,000. But against right-handed pitching, the batting average was uh, nearly 70 points lower, and the OPS was hovering around 750. So last season, there was no doubt Mark struggled against right-handed pitching. Now, the numbers were still great, don't get me wrong. I mean, he was still hitting 260 against right-handed pitching. That's that's not bad, but the power certainly was much better against left-handed pitching. This season, Mark had an OPS from the left-hand side that was actually slightly worse. And he only had 31 plate appearances against left-handed pitchers compared to about 137, I think it was, plate appearances against right-handed pitchers. But 11 of his 13 home runs came against right-handed pitchers. He had an OPS of better than 1,100 against right-handed pitchers. Numbers very similar from the left-hand side. The batting average, it was about 350 against left-handed pitching. Still 330, 335 against right-handed pitching. So all of that talk that, oh, Mark can only face left-handed pitchers, he's going to struggle against right-handed pitching, he completely threw that by the wayside this season. And, and he's a guy that is still maybe looking for a spot defensively. I'll tell you, his, his defense has gotten a lot better. I talked to our manager, Dick Scott, who really felt that it's, it's Mark's footwork 
that saw the biggest improvement, and, and that's why he saw a vast improvement on the defensive side at, at third and even the times he played it at first base. But in terms of his bat, I'm, I'm, I'm officially retiring the whole he has to be a platoon designated hitter. No, he could be your everyday designated hitter if you want him to be, and if you need to fill him in at third or at first, he can play those spots as well. But he could face any type of pitching. The power is there, and he's going to be a fun guy to watch offensively. Michael Tricarico joins us here on the phone lines. He is the Syracuse Mets broadcast. And don't forget, all of our guests join us via the Elevation 10,000 phone lines. Elevate your brand with Elevation 10,000. So you're seeing these prospects up front. I think also we should add some context here, too, that he got called up in September of 2022, last season, and he's back to the Major League. So it's not his Major League debut, but when this happens again, he's not going back down, right? Like this is, you mentioned the DH spot. This is going to be him likely in the majors. The goal is, and it's projections is hard, especially post-COVID. The goal is he's going to be a major league player for the Mets for their foreseeable future. He's likely, unless injuries come in, not going back to Syracuse. Yeah, 100%. He's proved everything he needed to. I mean, Brett Beatty was the same thing earlier this season. Brett was hitting 400. He was probably the best player I've seen in the minor leagues. Beatty was since Fernando Tatis Jr., who I saw when he was coming up as an 18-year-old in the Padres system. I mean, Beatty hit 400. He got called up. He just proved everything he needed to. Viento, same thing. What more did he need to prove? Uh, maybe he could work a little bit more on, on the defense, but you know, he, he played a, a much more improved third base. His first base has gotten a lot better, and the bat showed everything he needed to. You know, if he struggles, I mean, he, he showed everything he needed to in, in AAA. He accomplished pretty much everything he could at AAA. He's up for the, for the foreseeable future. Now, although he may not be a familiar name with New York Mets fans, one name that is familiar with New York baseball fans is Gary Sanchez. There's some rumors, there's some rumblings that Sanchez maybe in the future could be joining the New York Mets roster. What could a move like that, having Gary Sanchez return to the major league level, have for the major league squad for the New York Mets? I think it's a low-risk, very, very high-reward type type of move. You have a current vacancy on the catcher's side in terms of a second catcher. Obviously, Francisco Alvarez is up there as a 21-year-old, and his defense, I think, has impressed everybody from the fans to the, the people in the, in the front office for New York. And obviously, you, you see his bat and the potential that Alvarez has with his bat, but you know, we saw Tomas Nito go down. It seems like maybe his eye issue could be fixed, but he's, he's still probably a couple of weeks away. Uh, Omar Navarez is going to maybe start a, a rehab stint sometime next week or coming up in the future, but that's still a couple of weeks away until he returns. You know, right now you have Michael Perez, who in his first game up there in the majors goes four for four. He does have some major league experience, but I think from this standpoint, you have Gary Sanchez, who's a couple of years removed from being an American League All-Star and a 34-home-run year when he was with the New York Yankees back in, in 2019. And I think you, you have a guy who can play the catcher spot, but he can also fit into the designated hitter spot as well. I mean, his defense was both hot and cold. He actually threw out two different runners. Uh, he was two for four, throwing out runners that were trying to steal against him. Still a very strong arm behind the plate. Um, you know, I think sometimes he gets a bad rap for his defense, but it can certainly improve. And we saw Carlos Beltran actually in Buffalo. He was watching a lot of these prospects and a lot of these players. And I saw Beltran talking with Sanchez a lot. They were actually former teammates. I got the 
to interview Beltron for our, our pregame show uh, before one of our games. And, and, and he felt that Sanchez over the last couple of years had gotten away from some of the things that had made him successful with the Yankees. And that was one of the things that Beltron was talking to Sanchez about really wanted to try and loosen up the, the upper half, make it more fluid. I think one of the quotes that Carlos Beltran told me about Gary Sanchez is the guy's 240 pounds. He doesn't need to work too hard to generate a whole lot of power. The power is going to come. And I think Beltran felt that Sanchez was trying too hard to hit for power as opposed to just letting the game come to him. And, and we saw that eight games with Syracuse reached base in all eight games had hits in six of eight with a couple of doubles and, and a home run. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you pull him up. He's going to get an opportunity for at least a week or two to, to fill in that catcher spot. And he's either going to be really, really good. And you decide, hey, we found we caught lightning in a bottle or it just doesn't work out. And, you know, you, you decide to part your ways and, and you don't really lose a whole lot because you still have Navarez and, and Nito and, and a couple of others in the organization. So, uh, like I said, low risk, high reward. I think people can at least be excited that maybe Gary Sanchez gives you something if you figured it out here in the minor leagues. Uh, then great. And if not, oh, well, on to the next one. We've got Mark Vientos. We've got Gary Sanchez. So whether it be this month, maybe later in the summer, if New York Mets fans need to keep an ear and an eye out for another name, them listening right now, LeVac and Gaz, 95, 9 and 90, they can put it down on their phone and tell their buddies a week from now, a month from now, hey, I heard that this could be another player that could help the Mets later. Whether it's a prospect or a name you've got an ear and an eye on, who else could be coming up the system this season that could have an impact for the major league squad? I think the name has to be Ronnie Mauricio. This is a guy that Carlos Beltran last week said he has all the potential in the world to be a star. And I do not disagree with that whatsoever. Mauricio is second in the international league in batting average. He leads the league clear by five doubles. He has 19 doubles this season. He has 27 extra base hits. That's three more than anybody else in the International League. And he has 59 hits, which as of yesterday, I still haven't checked today, as of yesterday, that was more hits than anybody else in minor league baseball and in major league baseball. The guy's hitting 350. He's a switch hitter who could hit from both sides of the plate. And whereas we talked with Vientos about, well, does he really have a, a spot defensively? First base obviously is locked up. Third base, you have, you know, Beatty and, and even Escobar at third. When it comes to Ronnie Mauricio, yes, he's a natural shortstop and he's played shortstop for pretty much his entire career. And you have Francisco Lindor there, but he's just a natural athlete. And we've seen him play at second base. I still think the defense at second, he needs to be more comfortable. He's committed a couple of errors and you can see some uncomfortability there, not necessarily understanding with a guy at first based on where the ball is hit to his left, to his right. Should he get the footwork turned so he makes the play at first, or should he try and make a close play at second? We saw that the other day. He tried to make a hero spin and throw to second, and it made a bad throw. So he's still learning that second-base position, but he's such a, a natural athlete. He, he, he really does, when, when he gets it, have, have good footwork. I think it's something he can improve on at second base specifically, but the bat once again, is major league ready. Switch hitter can hit from for, for power mainly from the left-hand side, but his batting average actually for much of the season was higher from the right-hand side, even if you didn't see as much power from that side of the plate. But a switch hitter that eventually I think can, if you want him to, right fill into second base. You could play Jeff McNeil on the outfield. I think Mauricio is a guy that when we were talking to him before the season, he was asked, 
well, are you willing to play second base? Are you willing to play left field or center field or right field? And his direct quote was, I'm willing to play wherever the New York Mets need me to play that'll get me to the major league. He's willing to play wherever he needs to, and I think the athlete within him will allow him that. I think if he does get the call up soon, it's going to be because his bat's really good and because he can play second base, and, and Buck Showalter can uh, adjust the lineup accordingly defensively to, to make sure you got a guy like Mauricio in. But I think the one thing you have this year, if you're a New York Mets fan as opposed to last year, you have reinforcements coming up the pipeline where the team you see at the beginning of the year is going to be different from the team you see at the end of the year. We're already seeing that with Beatty's gone up, Alvarez has gone up, Vientos now recently, and I think Ronnie Mauricio could be another guy that if the offense needs a spark, he's a guy waiting in the wings. If you want to interact with him, learn more about the Syracuse Mets and the prospects that are coming up to the New York Mets at Tricky CNS 7 on Twitter. Michael Tricarico. Tricky, it's been so awesome to follow your career. I'm so glad we continue to stay in touch. Our Central New York ties are tight. Again, give my guy Prez some love in the booth. Love him, man. He's doing a great job for you. Tell Evan Stockton to knock it off with the pancake takes, and we will talk again soon, my friend. Take care. Keep up the great work this season. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. There he goes, our guy, Michael Tricarico. Don't forget, he joined us on our phone lines, brought to you by Elevation 10,000. Elevate your brand today with our friends over at Elevation 10,000. We go from talking baseball to our play of the day. Rarely, I will promise you this, rarely will we ever close a LeVac and God show with an interview. But with all the movement going on involving the New York Mets with Tricky on the road and doing all that stuff, I wanted to make sure we got him in on Friday's show. So hopefully, if you missed any of today's show, whether it's our guy Closer, Brian Mariano, whether it's Brady Farkas, whether it's LeVac, on a Friday show in May, especially if you're mowing the lawn tomorrow, if you're taking the road trip like I am to the PGA Championship in Rochester, whatever you're doing this weekend, download, subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify. Hook that right up to your car and then play it right off of there and can listen to the podcast and catch up on whatever you need. All right, play of the day brought to you by Mohawk Chevrolet. Mohawk Chevrolet, always going out of the way to please you. I keep going back to the Preakness, man. I said earlier in the show, so before the Preakness pick, one other pick for tonight. Take the under in runs scored between the Red Sox and the Padres. Paxton and Snell, Brady Farkas, one more hat tip to you. Good job on the scouting report for Paxton and Snell. Far better pitchers in the late 2010s. And they've been the post-COVID seasons. But a veteran, Friday night, big-time pitching performance. Nice crowd in San Diego. I think both these guys step up when it matters on that weekend night game. I like both to have a really nice performance tonight. All right. You know, my guy, Maggie, a.k.a. Mage. I'm going to take him again in the Preakness. Three over. Oh, my God. This field stinks. I can't believe it got worse. It's gotten worse. I got a scratch here. I got scratch on first mission, the eight. So I got a seven horse field and they all stink. This, this pre Andrew champagne, someone check on him to make sure he doesn't think this field stinks that bad. I feel like I should just bet against mage Maggie, or I'm going to keep calling that horse because that's what I want to call on Maggie. Uh, I'm just going to go with three over seven. So an exact three, seven, I should chase against the door. Here's what I'm really going to play, right? Three seven's probably the best bargain for you. But here, I'm going to do the Pharaoh bet. I'm going three overall overall. Boo, you stink, guys. It's a $30 bet. Don't I just want to hit a number? Like, don't you just want it to be like American Pharaoh and the $2 try pays $9.90? Like, if you really want to do it, just put three over two. If Chase the Chaos is your long shot and you hope for the best, then you get three over two, then maybe that's the best way to do it. 
it's going to go off at 8-5. to five. It's not going to get your money back. you got to hope for a long shot in second. got to bet against him, but who's going to beat him? So maybe not your favorite horse racing play. I can't make a case for any other horse besides the three. So Maggie for the win. Hope for a long shot in second. Overall, overall, like I did at Farrow in 2015, and hope you just get a 50-1 to one shot in second. But the money's not going to be there. The pay's not going to be there. But we do likely have a winner going for the Triple Crown come June. Thanks to everybody who joined the show this week. We got Cavino and Rich coming up next. We got the odd couple as well. And then Red Sox baseball and pregame gets underway at 840 tonight with 940 first pitch. Catch you again on Monday. LeVac will be back in studio. It's LeVac and Goss here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980.